the new John Simmons Show. After years of battling a gambling addiction, John found a hope and a future for his life through Christ. He has spent the last several years encouraging others to find joy, peace, and hope in their lives by walking out God's plan for their lives. Now, John wants to help you find the passion, vision, and faith you need to start writing out God's sentence for your life and help you add to it every day. Phone lines are now open. Call or text 314-880-0808. Now, here is your host, the new John Simmons. Come meet this motley crew of misfits, these liars and these thieves. There's no one unwelcome here. everybody welcome it's the new john simmons show where you can find god's sentence for your life and become the new you where we talk about finding passion vision and faith in your walk with christ so that your life can overflow with joy peace and hope today welcome to the program everybody it's thursday february 22nd getting ready for the weekend what are your plans i'm not sure what we're doing but i finally get to go and have a valentine's dinner i know i'm a little late guys i'm a little behind the eight ball on this but uh, we got kids and planning and babysitters are always uh fun a fun fun, exciting thing to figure out so and gonna be enjoying my my valentine's day dinner with my wife over the weekend looking forward to that tonight we want to talk about vision you know, we we had to plant, plant a vision to be able to get our Valentine's Day date on the calendar. We weren't able to do it the day of Valentine's Day or beforehand, so we had to say, what's our vision for our Valentine's Day date? How do we make that happen? And uh, finally, we're here able to do it, uh, you know, a week and a half later. But I wanted to talk about finding a vision from God and more specifically how to find a vision for God's sentence for your life. Here on the program, we believe that God has a special, unique plan for you, that you have been created to do good works through Christ Jesus. This is what the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10. We also know that in Romans 12, he's given us special gifts, and we know that throughout the Bible, God says if we ask and seek, knock and find, he will provide uh, a future for our lives that is hopeful and does not destroy us. That if we continue to live in our old lives, uh, continue to play around and mess around with the sin that kept us in bondage before we knew Christ, we're going to continue to see the same sort of results, which are results of uh, lack of success, potential failures, potential pitfalls, destruction. John 10.10 says the enemy tries to kill, steal, and destroy. He could steal your future. He could destroy your circumstances. He could take away your money in the bank and take away your family and your relationships. He could take away a lot of things, including your life, maybe your health. The devil's out there to get us, guys, and if we want to fight against him, we need to get the <laughs> the armor of God put on us, and we do that by becoming a born-again believer, trying to take off this bondage of sin off our shoulders like a coat and be able to flee from it as best we can, seeking Jesus Christ, looking ahead to him. He is the author and finisher of our faith. It allows us to stay motivated by looking at him because he did an awful lot to flee from sin and He spoke scripture over his life, and when the devil tried to show up after 40 days in the desert of fasting, and he spoke scripture over the devil. Amazing picture, by the way. So many of us have heard the story of Jesus fasting for 40 days. 
He went out in the wilderness. This was his way of getting closer to God, proving that he was the son of God. And the devil realized in this moment who he was dealing with. And the Bible and the Gospels describe at the end of these 40 days that the devil showed up and tried to tempt Jesus to sin. And he offered him the kingdom of everything that he could see. He offered him food. He offered him the world as best he could. Each time the devil offered him something, Jesus would respond with scripture. And the devil would flee when he heard the word of God. Interesting note here, though, that many people may not recognize, although it's very much, you'll after you hear what I'm about to say, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that is right. I can see how he does that in my life, too. The devil shows up when to mess with Jesus at the end of the 40 days. The devil doesn't show up in the middle, it says, or at the beginning. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. Imagine you've gone 40 days. How about you've gone three days? How many of us struggle to go a meal? Include me in that. No water. I mean, just imagine your stomach stuck together. Your mouth is as parched as it's ever been. You are crying. You are desperate for a drink of water, a bite of food. You've been wandering. You're probably, you know, physically you're incapable of doing many of the things that you were earlier. You're at a weakened state in so many ways. Physically, probably mentally, he was drained and exhausted. Surely he was tired and overwhelmed with what was going on just in the natural. And here the devil shows up in the supernatural to tempt him. And even at the end of 40 days, because remember, Jesus was God, but he was also man. So the same thing that would happen to you and me after 40 days is happening to Jesus after 40 days of not eating and drinking. Now, we know that these things can kill us if we don't do these things for that long, but a supernatural grace was upon Jesus, and faith allowed him to do that. He's also not the only recorded case of someone fasting for 40 days. There's three types of fast in the Bible, by the way. A one-day fast, a three-day fast, and a 40-day fast. The 40-day fast is the big deal. And Jesus was doing the big deal, the big one. And the devil showed up at the end of it. Why? Because the devil shows up when you're weak. He doesn't show up while you're in the middle of church praising God. He shows up at a Wednesday after you've had a bad day at work and you come home and the dishes are not done and you want to get mad at your husband. He doesn't show up uh, when you're ministering to someone the gospel. No, he shows up on the car ride home after you've had a couple drinks and starts condemning you for what's happened and, you know, that image that you have that you lie about to others. That's when he shows up. He shows up when we're weak. He wants to take away our future by bringing guilt, reminding us of our sin, and trying to destroy our lives when we're not looking for him. We don't want him around then. I just, on my way into work tonight, I saw a pretty intense traffic accident on a Highway 170 coming into work. There was six cars or so just completely uh, buckled into one another. A six-car pileup, as it's heard. I've never really seen this too much in person. The police hadn't even shown up yet. It was so fresh. It might have happened just moments before I got to this part of the highway. There was... A car completely accordioned. You saw people just standing on the side of the highway. Glass and debris from the car was all over. 
the devil showed up in that moment for those people. And I don't know the circumstances of that. I don't know if someone was drinking, if they fell asleep, if it was the weather, if it was a slip and slide, if it was someone looking at their phone and got into, you know, tapped one person and that started a domino effect. We don't know what happened, but I know that the devil didn't show up when it was bright outside and everybody was, you know, following the law, you know. And even if they were following the law, the devil still showed up there with the puddle or an ice cap or whatever it needed to take place. And now the lives of all of these people have now been altered. Insurance claims and broken cars and maybe somebody can't get to work tomorrow. Maybe somebody's drastically hurt. It didn't look like there was, but surely you see six cars hitting one another. It's not often that people come out unscathed. Unscathed. Uh, People die in accidents like this every day. The devil's coming out to get us, guys, and he's not coming out to get us when we're pressed up and ready. When we've got all the shields that we need and we've got all the armor of God, that's usually not when he's showing up. He's showing up when he's got a foothold in an area of our lives where we're not paying any attention to it. And that's why I really want to talk about finding vision for your life from God, finding God's plan for your life. Why? Why is, What does this have to do with the devil showing up? Well, the area most often, at least in my opinion, from what I've seen in people that I've met in Christian faith and walks, most people don't know what God's plan for their life is. They have a plan for their life. They might even believe God's given it to them. And some people who don't know God cannot have God's plan for their life. So many people looking for What am I supposed to do with my life? This is a philosophical question, but I believe it can be answered through Scripture and through what God's told us about what his plans for us are. So tonight's show, five ways to find a vision of God's sentence for your life. We're going to go over five tips and tricks, and I'm going to share with you a, a short clip from my favorite Bible teacher on the subject of vision and how you can cast it inside your family. I think that's going to bless you as well. Most of us are not looking towards our future and if we are we're not inviting god into it we know this because people worry about the now what am i going to do now how am i going to pay this bill now why am i not getting a raise now why can't i get the job now why is my girlfriend being dumb now this we we think about things right now we don't think about things a year from now if i were to ask you what do you plan on doing a year from now i'll give you a moment what what is your plans a year from now in your life Most of us don't know or have an idea. What about five years? What about two years? It's important to know where you're going so you can figure out how to get there. God didn't show up and say, hey, Noah, you'll die if you don't build a boat. He said, hey, I'm going to build you. You need to build this boat. You know, he gave him a vision of building the boat so that he could take the time to get to this point and take the time it needed to build the boat. For us, whatever the boat is in our life, whatever the thing that God has for us to be a part of, to be near, to have the opportunity to use our gifts to serve somehow, the business he wants us to start, the family he wants us to raise, the education he wants us to get, how can we get to those things if we don't know what they are? If you know God's plan for your life, if you're seeking out a relationship with God where you can communicate back and forth with him, remember, a relationship with God is communicate is communication 
and quality time together. This is how we build relationships here on earth. You don't get in a relationship with your spouse or your future spouse and not talk to them. I'm not going to date a person I don't talk to. If we don't talk to each other for a year, we're not dating anymore. If you have a child, you communicate with them. That's how you talk back and forth. You learn and you teach them and you train them how to be a child and then a teenager and then an adult. If I never talk to my child, what on earth does our relationship end up looking like? We see this in the natural. There are parents and children who don't talk to one another. And what do those relationships look like? Some of them are non-existent. Some are fractured. Some are, you know, hoping for more communication and wishing for it. Because they want that relationship with their children. The same way we want that relationship with that significant other in our lives. We want to talk to them and know what their dreams are and their thoughts. And we want to know what they like on TV. We want to know what they want to eat for lunch. We communicate. The day you meet someone, regardless of whether or not it's an intimate relationship, if you have a good friend, you know your friend a lot better today than the day you met them. How did that happen? You had quality time together and you communicated. This is how you get close enough to God, the exact same thing. Talk to God through prayer, through scripture reading, through going to church. There's a lot lot of different ways to get close to God. Spend time with other believers. Listen to this show. (laughs) Uh, God's got a special plan for each of us, but if we're not looking to figure out how to find it, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for us to hear from God because we're not communicating with him. We don't understand the importance of communicating with God. If you realize that communicating with God can allow you to see God's plan for your life, it's going to make you a lot more interested in what uh, he's up to. God, what's going on? What can I do for you? How can we get together? God just wants to be close to us. And when we get close to us, it says, John 10, 27, that when we hear his voice, we should follow him. Where are we following him? We're following him towards the path of our lives, guys. He has a sentence for your life. He has a written account of what he's given you, the gifts, talents, and the plans that he has for your life that he he created before you were born. And I want to help you try and find them tonight. Five ways to find a vision for God's sentence for your life. We'll start here with number one. What is number one? I've got to pull up it up here on the Facebook screen. Besides this, uh, if you're on social media right now, you can head over to Facebook.com, look at the new John Simmons show, and uh, we have our live stream up there as well. Text messages are available for the program, 314-880-0808. Do you have a plan from God? Share it with us. If you have an idea for uh, an upgrade to this list or it's encouraging you today, just let us know. 314-880-0808 is the text line. New John Simmons show on Facebook and social media. Number one on your list of five ways to find a vision from God. Number one is to pray and ask God. (laughs) The best way to find a vision is to ask God for it. The same way my kid would ask me for breakfast and say, hey, dad, I don't want that cereal. I want Pop-Tarts. I wouldn't know unless we talked to one another. If I just said, you know, if If she just goes up there and picks it out for herself, is she going to pick out the healthiest option? Is she going to pick out the one that's best for her? If I know it's best for her and I try to give it to her but she doesn't want it, that's a broken relationship there too. So it's the same thing that happens with us, with God all the time. We try to go to the shelves of our lives and pick up, well, this is what the job I want. This is the place I want to go this afternoon. 
And God knows that there's a better. Uh, that's not what we should be picking, but we're not asking him, right? And so, so it's up to us to pray and ask God, God, show me what it is that I'm supposed to get. And then our, our father who knows best for us, just like I know better than my child knows, I know, hey, you can't eat chocolate syrup for breakfast. I have to get you something new, some better nutrition inside of you. This is the same thing God knows for us. He knows better than we do, even though we think we're super smart and we think we've got our lives figured out the best to our ability because, of course, we want to make ourselves happy. So why would we choose something that doesn't make us happy? But we don't know the results of our choices sometimes. We know that if you eat too many calories, you gain weight, but so many of us can't avoid this. We know that if you don't exercise, you might not live as long. You can't avoid this. We know that if you know you have filthy language, some people don't want to talk to you. We know that there are problems that we have in this world, addiction, that people want to avoid and can cause trouble, could cause jail time, could cause accidents to happen in our lives. God knows better because he's seen the results. He's the beginning and the end. God knows what the best plan for our lives is because he's already seen it. And two, he created the whole thing. He knows the gifts and talents and the DNA that he's put inside of us. The reason we see the world the way we do, the reason we act the way we do, the reason we like the types of shows that we watch and listen to, the reason we like the type of people we spend time with, the reason we make the jokes and laugh at the things that our spouses don't laugh at. God put all of that inside you for a reason. Have you ever wondered why? I would submit to you that it's because God has a special plan for your life and he wants to show you how to find it. So the number one way I want to show you tonight on how to find a vision from God, find God's sentence for your life, pray and ask him. We see Jeremiah 29, 11, which we quote often. This verse that says, I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope, not for disaster. But it goes on to say in verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. So God has plans for us not to destroy our lives like the devil does, like we talked about in the beginning of the show here, but a plans to give us a future and a hope, meaning the life that we haven't gotten to yet, tomorrow and the days ahead. He wants to give us those days. Give us those days in a great way, a day where you're excited to wake up and work and play and have fun and spend time with others and do all the things that you were created to accomplish and have a sense of satisfaction. It says you find those things by praying. So this is what we're talking about today. Uh, more than 12 scriptures in the New Testament say that if you ask God for something, if you seek after it, he will open a door, he will answer it. He's not Santa Claus. We have to be praying God's will. I can't just be saying, God, I want uh, that sinful thing that I really want. No, that's not what he, the prayer that he's answering. He's answering the prayers for those that are seeking out his will. And so if we're seeking out God's will, which is his plans for our life, when we pray and ask God for that, we are sure to find them. When we come back, I'm going to share a clip with you from Joe McGee talking about some practical steps you can take to find vision. And we'll continue on my list of five ways to find vision for God's sentence for your life. Don't go away. You're listening to the new John Simmons show, part of the Testimony House Network. behind the scenes photos and get the latest news from the show all you have to do is follow at new john simmons on facebook twitter and instagram now 
Let's get back to the new John Simmons show. Welcome back. It's the new John Simmons show. Part of the testimony house network. If you want to be part of the show tonight, talk about vision, head over to social media, look for the new John Simmons show on Facebook. We also have past videos both pre-recorded and our live stream videos on YouTube. Search for the same name. Text lines open, 314-880-0808. We'll share those as they come in. And want to talk more about finding a vision from God specifically for his plans for your life. And his plans for your life are not necessarily just for your job. They can be a part of any area in your life where you're moving forward. You want a family? You have a family? There's a vision for that part of your life. You have a desire at work, sure, that could be part of it. Do you have a desire for a personal goal you're trying to reach, maybe a weight loss goal, maybe a vacation goal? Maybe there's somewhere special out there you want to visit. These can all be plans for your life. Maybe there's a goal you're trying to reach at church where you want to be a deacon or or something else. Maybe you want to just teach a Sunday school class. Maybe there's a vision for your life to get out of debt. We can have so many areas of our lives where God is leading us but we have to let him lead us. John ten twenty seven. my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. It's not just about being born again. Although that's great and I hope that everybody finds Christ as their Lord and Savior. But God has more for us. What do you do after you get born again? Do you just wait for Jesus to show up? you just wait to die? Because the Bible talks about the records that are going to be kept of everything that we do from our thoughts to our actions to the things that we fulfill for Christ's will. Wouldn't it be better if we were actually doing those things instead of answering the question, why didn't you after we die? Wow, not a, not a question I want to answer and not a question I hope for you to answer either. I want to see God's will moved in your life. I want to see you find and discover God's gift for your life. I'm sharing five Ways you can find a vision for God's sentence for your life today. First one was pray and ask God. The Bible's chock full of scripture on praying and asking. Number two on the list, we haven't talked about yet. We're going to get through it, hopefully quickly. Revelation knowledge. This is information that comes directly from God. We see this all over the Bible. Anytime you see in the Bible, the Lord said, the Lord spoke, Jesus spoke. Anytime that Jesus is speaking to someone directly, anytime that the Lord is speaking to someone, whether it was a prophet or through a dream or a vision, revelation knowledge is anytime that God speaks directly to you to give you information about your future. We see Moses talk to a burning bush. This is revelation knowledge. We see other examples of this throughout the Bible, including Adam. You know, when Adam, the very first man, he was told by God, he was going to have to name all of the animals. He was taking care of the land. He had a plan from God. So it, just because I tell you God has a plan for you today, you go, well, no one else had one. We've all had one. <laughs> We've all had one. The very first guy had a plan from God for his life. <laughs> he changed everybody's plan when we sin, but nonetheless. Number three on our list of ways to find a vision from God I'm going through these a little quickly because I want to get to a clip. 
And if you continue listening to this show, I promise you we'll go over lists like this in the future. I really want you to get some of these things in a major way and understand that there's more than one way to get a vision from God. Number three is listening to other believers. Listening to other believers. There is a precedent in the Bible, and we can also follow it today in our lives, to know that God sometimes, not always, not every time, this is not the most common way to find a vision from God for your path in life. But it is a path that God has used in others and maybe the way that he uses in yours. Now, again, let me emphasize that this is unusual. This is rare in the body of Christ that I've come across. But it is there. There is precedent for it. And it's listening to other believers. A believer has a word from God and shares it with you. And you receive that in your spirit, and you also confirm it with the mouths of other witnesses. Just a fancy way of saying somebody tells you what God wants you to do, and other people agree with it, who are all of faith. This isn't saying, I think God told me to go be a whatever. And you tell your your you know your cousin, and he don't believe in Jesus. He's like, oh, that's great. Or he says, oh, no, dude, that's dumb. Come with me. We're going to go do this other thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual believers who are sensitive to hearing from the Holy Spirit and are able to share an impartation of a message from God with you and other people confirm that it's from God. Again, rare. Some denominations don't even teach things that this still exists today. I, I believe that they do. I've seen it, and I've also seen it in God's Word. Where at, John? What are you talking about? Well, I'll give you two main examples. Jesus, what did he do? He's a believer. He knew God, and he went out and found the apostles. He said, hey, James, John, they're over on the dock. They're fishing. They got their nets out. They got the poles up, and they're saying they're working with Dad at the the fishing family business. And Jesus rolls up, and he's like, hey, man, I got this job I want you to be part of. I want you to come with me, and we're going to go. You're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for people. And they took that word, and they followed Christ. Just like I've told you that John ten twenty seven says we hear God's voice and we follow him into the path that he has for our life. Jesus shows up on the dock for James and John. They follow him. Peter, the other apostles, it doesn't show every path that they took to hear from God, but it does say that Jesus went out and picked his people. Jesus said, hey, come with me. You're going to be my apostles. And they received that word, and they went with Christ. You say, John, well, that's that's Jesus, John. Of course, of course he gets to tell people what to do. Well, in the case of Paul, who was Saul, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, pretty famous guy, an apostle in his own, in his own right, gets knocked off his horse on his way to Damascus or from Damascus, and, and he gets blind. He goes blind. He can't see anymore. He's chilling up in the city, and uh, Ananias shows up with a word from God that says he was going to suffer for God's sake, and he's going to share the gospel with the Gentiles, the regular people, people who aren't Jews. That's what a Gentile is, people who aren't Jewish. So Ananias shows up with a word for God from Paul, and Paul follows that the rest of his life. Paul understands that Ananias is giving him the truth, He also prays and releases the 
bondage of blindness from Paul's eyes as well. So there is precedent from hearing from other believers about what God wants you to do with your life. Money follows vision. Money does not follow need. If money followed need, there'd be no need. You need a vision first. One of the greatest things I can do for you tonight, if I didn't do another thing for you, if I left tonight, is if you would just sit down and get a piece of paper and lay out a five-year plan. It's real simple to do. You get a piece of paper, you have to drive five, draw five columns, draw some things across, and just start with any subject you want. Your house, do I want to be living in this house five years from now? Do I want to have this job five years from now? You know, how many kids do I want to have? How much money do I want to be making five years from now? Where would I like to go on vacation? There's no pressure. You don't need money or nothing. You're just dreaming. I believe God gives you the desires of your heart. Amen. If it's true, act on it. I don't need a burning bush. We're not going to fast, take communion. I take communion a lot in my family. We're just going to sit down and order some Pepsi and a pizza. And we're going to say, what are you going to be doing five years from now? And I remember we first started this, and Sarah said, oh, I want to be in college five years from now. What, year, what would you be? You'd be a sophomore, wouldn't you? So four years from now, be a freshman. Three years from now, be a senior in high school. Two years. I said, that means you're going to have to start passing algebra. Because they won't let you in school without algebra. You can't get into college. So we're going to start doing some studying tomorrow. And what happens is you've got to get it down where it's in bite-sized pieces. The reason your dreams don't come true is because you're looking too far out. You can't break it down in the next step. God orders steps, not miles. He'll give you the next thing to do. The widow woman could go borrow some buckets. She could do that. She could carry them into her house. She could do that. She could empty that half a can of oil into one of them. And she did do that, and it just kept pouring. Then she could tote them down to the marketplace, sit up a table, get up a little bucket and a sign, and start selling that stuff. And then she could retire off of that instead of asking for some benevolence just not to starve to death. God didn't want to keep her from starving. God wanted to set her up a retirement account. God's always trying to exceeding abundantly above, beyond all we can ask or think. But if you don't start planning, it won't happen. You'll just be busy maintaining every day. Now, I do it. You, we all get in that habit. We do. I'm working hard. Man, I got a lot to do tomorrow. It's working hard. And we're busy. I'll just be glad when Saturday gets here. We're working hard. Well, you'll be wake up one day and you'll be 95 and wore out if you live that long. You've got to have vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish. That's a law for everybody, but especially marriages because it keeps hope alive. If you've got a vision to go somewhere, I'm t- I remember before we had faith, faith for vacation, we'd be four, four months out, and it wouldn't be going good. We're dealing with stuff, man. We've got to put a new engine in the suburban. It's like, vacation's coming. Vacation's coming. I don't care what's going on today. It's like when you were a kid and Christmas was coming. You don't care. Christmas is coming. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming. I don't care what my parents are doing. I'm believing for Santa Claus. <laughs> well, there's a bigger than Santa Claus among us. But you've got to start believing. Jesus always asked the question when he ministered, What do you want, blind man? Imagine Peter trying to answer, Lord, he needs some eyeballs. Shut up, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> hey, blind man, what do you want? Lord, that I might receive my son. Hey, crippled man, what can I do for you today, old crippled man? Lord, I don't know if you know, he's got no legs. Shut up, Peter, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the crippled man. Hey, crippled man, what do you want? Jesus always asked the question, I know what you need before you ask, Jesus said, but I need you to ask. It's a legal situation. God's not moved out of pity. If God was moved out of pity, there'd be no suffering on this planet tonight. God has only moved out of faith. Get a plan. Start applying some faith to it. And you don't need much, a little bit of faith towards something. God will have angels move heaven for you. He loves to bless you. He wants to open up doors for you. He wants to redeem you. Wants to, he wants to do all that. But not if you don't ask. Because if I'm not asking, I'm getting mad. I'm doing one of two things all the time. I'm either thanking God or I'm accusing him. So many of us in life will do that. 
will thank God for the plan he has for our life or will accuse him and saying, my life's gone wrong, God. Why is this happening? Why are you letting this happen to me? I've said before, and I'll always say, it's right to ask questions to God, but it's not right to question God. We get in this habit of thinking that we know what's best. We get in the habit of questioning God because things don't turn out what's right for our lives when we start making all the choices without any counsel from God. I love this, what Joe says. Don't catch, if you don't catch a vision, you're just going to be maintaining your life, maintaining the troubles of your your time, maintaining the broken relationships that exist from your childhood, maintaining the inability to be a better father or a spouse or a better worker or a better whatever. And you're going to wake up when you're old one day and wonder where the time went. And you're going to be tired. You're going to be like, I worked really hard. Why didn't my life turn out like it should or like I thought it should? Well, because you probably weren't following God's path for your life because you'll work hard when you have God's path for your life, but you won't wake up tired because he gives you strength. And you won't question God wondering why your life looks like the way it does because you're going to be filled with so much joy and peace and hope and you're going to have a future and you're going to be content and you're going to be having satisfaction that surpasses any other satisfying moments of your past because God's path for your life has been created specifically for you and exactly the person you are. When we come back, I've got two more ways you can catch a vision from God for his sentence for your life. Don't go away. You're listening to the new John Simmons show. Find vision, find faith. You're listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. Welcome back to the program, everybody. New John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. To hear all our past episodes, they're available over on the Apple Podcast Store. Just search for the new John Simmons. All our past shows are up there and available for you as well on our website, newjohnsimmons.com, along with uh, my most recent blog article about Billy Graham and how he touched the lives of me, uh, my family, and also probably you. So head over to newjohnsimmons.com to get all of that fun stuff. Tonight we're talking about five ways to find a vision of God's sentence for your life. A vision is so important in the body of Christ to know where you're going and to know why you're going there is not necessarily as important, but it's also a good reason to know. And for so many people, they wander in life, not really knowing what's going to happen year to year or month to month, sometimes week to week. And it's not the encouragement that I want to give people. I want you to understand that Joe shared the scripture earlier in the broadcast, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Without a vision, people perish, the Bible says. Happy is he who keeps the law. Keeping God's word in our heart prevents our lives from going bad. That's what to perish means, to go bad. You think of a perishable fruit or a perishable food. It's going to go bad. It's not going to last a long time. 
It might be okay for a little while, but eventually it's going to start to rot. It's going to start to, you know, stick together. It's not going to be doing what it it should be doing. It's not going to taste good. It's not going to look good. No one's going to want to add it to their recipe. And for us, this is what happens when we don't have a vision in our lives. Our lives start to go bad. It may not happen overnight. It may take a long time for that going bad, that perishing moment to start happening in our lives. But eventually, people will be able to notice us. That life's gone bad. That guy has not got his act together. That girl messed up. The results of a perishing life become apparent to other people, including ourselves. It's not like we're not aware that our lives not exactly what we wanted, right? But God has so much more for us. A future and a hope, the Bible says. How many of us want to find a future and a hope for our lives? How many of us would love to have an overflow? I mean, just an, I mean a bucket full of joy, peace, and hope. Romans 15, 13 says that that can come if we put our trust in God. Our trust, how about a trust to say, God, I'll do and I'll go where you ask me to go. How do I know what your vision for my life is? Number four on our list tonight Five ways to find a vision of God's sentence for your life. Number four, you can find it through dreams and vision. This is another uh, less opportune, I guess more rare. The most popular ways to find a vision from God are to pray and ask and to follow God's word. These are the two top tiers of finding a vision from God. Revelation knowledge would be in third. If I was going to rank them in order of most common uh number four would be through dreams and visions and number five would be listening to other believers although i have them listed differently on this list this isn't in order of importance this is just the way the list was written tonight for you guys and dreams and visions what does the bible say about it well the bible has a lot to say about dreams and visions it's taught in both the old and the new testament that god will speak to people through dreams and visions that he will pour his Holy Spirit into others, that we can be able to discern what God is saying to us and that God can then show us what his path is for our life. Throughout the Bible, this is a very common occurrence for people to have either a dream or a vision. Separate things. A dream is you go to sleep. A vision is something that you can sort of see in your mind while you're awake. These are two different things. In the New Testament, in just the first couple pages, you see Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, both have dreams from God on where to go. And, you know, Mary gets a dream that she's about to have Jesus. Joseph gets a dream that, hey, your wife didn't sleep with another guy. It's okay to stay with her dream. Uh, the, the king of the time, Herod, he's got a dream that says go out and, you know. And so everybody's getting dreams here. Peter has a dream about some Birds and some sheets later on in, in the New Testament. Dreams are a common occurrence. Of course, many popular stories in the Bible, the Old Testament, Joseph having his dream, which led to his imprisonment. Joseph in the technicolor dream coat, right? Isn't that what he, they call him in the Bible? No. There is precedent that God speaks to us through dreams and visions. There are teachings on this. Uh, one of the teachings that I've used in my life on this subject is a resource from 
TV guy, Perry Stone, he's a TV teacher as well as Bible speaker. He teaches on many things, including dreams and visions and how to interpret God's dreams and how to know if it's a carnal dream versus a spiritual dream and how to sort of, because we all have dreams. People who don't believe in Christ have dreams. Not every dream you have is going to be from God. So how do you learn how to be sensitive to which is which? And and if you have a weird dream and it is from God, how on earth are you supposed to figure out what it is? So he, he teaches on answers for that stuff. I don't want to get into all of that because... I'm not trying to teach it tonight. I'm trying to encourage you on how God does it. We can later get into these things. If you have questions, you feel free to message us here on the program over at NewJohnSimmons.com or on Facebook. If you have questions about this, I'd be happy to get into a dialogue with you about these things. But this is just another way that God shows us a vision for our lives. All of these ways, by the way, are the prerequisite is that you know Christ is your Savior and that you are developing a relationship with him you're communicating with him with god the holy spirit and you're also spending quality time quality time and communication these are the two things that allow your relationship to grow as a relationship grows you get to know somebody better you learn more about them this happens in marriage in families you know your brothers and sister you've known your whole life how close to them are you Many of us would say very. Some might say, well, I don't really know them too well. That's okay. But in in theory, you should be pretty close as far as knowing the type of person your your sibling is, the type of attitudes that they carry around with them, whether good or bad, the types of decisions that they normally make. You know them. You know what type of people they are. It's because you've built a relationship with them. God knows what type of person we are because he created us, and so he already has a relationship with us. It's up to us to make that choice to return the favor, to say, God, I'm in this relationship with you. You're not all by yourself. What happens in the real world when somebody's got one foot out of the relationship and one person's all in? We see this. We see this in real life. We see that people struggle in relationships because they don't have both people all in. Number five on our list tonight, final 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 list, final word on the list is follow the word. Follow the word. What I mean here is the Bible. So let's say you are praying and asking God, and you don't know if you're hearing anything or you haven't heard anything. Maybe you're waiting for revelation knowledge that hasn't come. You don't have a believer who's shown up in your life and given you a word from God, and you're not having dreams and visions from the Lord, and you're saying, well... I want to follow God's plan for my life. I want to do what he wants me to do. I really believe that this is something I need to consider and and follow. What do we do? Follow the word. Jesus, when asked what are the greatest commandments, said in Matthew 22, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He goes on to say the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments hang on these two. Everything that God's taught us and is teaching us hangs on the fact that we should love God with every single inch of our body and our strength and also to love others above ourselves. We love ourselves, right? We do whatever it takes to make ourselves happy. 
If we want something ice cream, we're going to go get some ice cream. You know, if if we want to watch that show on TV, we're going to figure out a way to watch it. If we want to go to a certain school or if we want to date a certain person, if we want to stay up as late as we want, we take care of ourselves and our desires and we try to make ourselves happy. Not many of us spend our lives trying to make other people happy, trying to make sure that Everything you do is for someone else. Instead of watching your show, you let the spouse watch the show. Instead of going to work at the place you want to work at, you ask God where he wants you to work at. Now, the catch of that being, of course, God's going to put you in the perfect place. There are things in our lives that we don't do like the Bible asks of us. But if we can wrap our minds around this foundational point that Jesus teaches, the greatest commandments, love God. So spend time with God and serve others. So if you're looking for a vision from your life and your only vision is I'm going to spend time with God, I'm going to love God, meaning I give to him. Love is to give by biblical definitions. Love is to give my time, my effort, my energy to God, my prayer time. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day. You don't have to do it for 10 hours a day. We're not radicals. Can you give God five minutes? You would give your best friend five minutes, wouldn't you? You would give your kids five minutes. You could probably spare five for the Lord and then start it out. You don't, you know, when you're starting a new relationship with someone, if I meet someone tomorrow, I'm not generally ready to spend all week with them. Relationships can get built and, and acquire time and patience on both parties. If we spend our time doing that, and then we spend our time serving others. Loving others as ourselves. That's what that means. To love someone as yourself is to serve them like you would serve yourself. Give them the best sandwich instead of making it for yourself. Give them the best spot in line. Give them the best opportunity. Don't take the last soda in the fridge. Give it to someone else if they would like it as well. Little examples. Of course, some of these are silly. I get it. But if we live our lives really being intentional about waking up and saying, I'm going to do something for somebody else today. I see there's a pile of laundry. I'm going to get that done. I see that someone dropped something 20 feet ahead of me. I'm going to run and go pick it up for them. And I got this thing where I go to the malls or any, any store that I'm at. And I see like a piece of clothing on the ground or something. I pick it up no matter who's watching, no matter who's looking, no matter if I even end up putting it at the right place or not. It's not supposed to be on the ground. I know that. And so I spend my life now. Not cleaning up after the world, but doing my part to serve somebody wherever I'm at. Sometimes it's at the mall, sometimes it's at Kohl's. Who knows? I'm just using an example of how you can serve someone without having to like give up your whole day, right? There's little things we can do throughout the day to serve other people, and that's what following God's word looks like. And if all you're doing is that, you have found God's vision for your life. His vision for your life is specific, but if you don't have it yet, I would say pray and ask God. In the meantime, follow God's word that tells us to serve God and to serve others. That's going to do it for our show tonight, guys. I want to thank Curtis behind the boards, and I want to thank all of you who are streaming live on Facebook. Don't forget to connect with us on social media, at New John Simmons, and the New John Simmons Show on YouTube and Facebook as well. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow night. Until then, I pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today. Thanks for listening to the new John Simmons Show. 
part of the Testimony House Network. To replay this episode or listen to past episodes, look for the new John Simmons Show podcast on your mobile device. Stay connected to the show. Read the latest news, blog posts, and see behind-the-scenes photos by following at New John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to learn more about how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life, or join a growing community of people who are finding passion, vision, and faith for their lives, please visit NewJohnSimmons.com. Until next time, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today.